Hello and welcome to Save the Track Bike. I am your host, Joshua LeBior. And I am Chris. Welcome to the podcast about everything fixed gear. So first off, Chris, what are you drinking? I'm drinking um, Foreshore Brewing Company. This is a brewing, uh, this is a, uh, a brewer just down in South London, I believe they are, just in a place called Bermondsey. And I'm drinking the Hemisphere Session IPA, and it's inspired about a road trip. It's, it's, it's inspired by a road trip they did in America. So it's an American pale ale, an amber pale ale. So I don't think I've had this one before, so I'm excited to try it. Dang, that sounds What really about good. you? What are you having? I am having, actually, yeah. it's still kind of early here and I'm tired, so I'm having a Stumptown cold brew. <laughs> it, it's a cold brew coffee and a little, it's in the little shorty brown can. <laughs> so it feels like I'm drinking a beer. <laughs> it looks like a little beer, like a yeah. stout or yeah. something. <laughs> it's kind of stout-esque because, uh, yeah, I was very tired and I was like, I'm going to have a cold brew instead of beer today. So... <laughs> <laughs> So today's topic is, this is going to be a big episode. So um, today's topic, we're talking about holiday gift ideas. Um, We have a short interview with the guys from Hustle City, a new indoor trainer video game. And then we have a short interview with uh, Medi from State Bicycle Company. Um, just about how coronavirus has, yeah, about how coronavirus has uh, affected smaller bike brands. And then also, um, Medi gives us some suggestions of state bicycle stuff that uh, you can buy people for the holidays. So, <laughs> okay. I, I, I watched the small little documentary they made about their uh, business in, in the in the coronavirus situation. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And then I think also, you know, I just love the writing fixed up mountains with pros. <laughs> we talked a little bit about them yeah. recording uh, with um, Lachlan Morton. That's pretty cool. They, did, didn't they do an episode with the um, the guy that raced with Lance Armstrong? What was his name? He went on to win a tour as well, but he got caught cheating as well. Oh the yeah, yeah, dude? yeah, 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 yeah. Name. With um, <laughs> oh man, Floyd's of Leadville. Floyd, I think. Uh, he, yeah, that's Floyd Landis. Yeah, Floyd something. Yeah, he runs like a CBD company now, yep. doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, in Colorado. Yeah, super <laughs> random. Um, Amazing. Yeah, and you know, uh, it was really funny because they were like the, f- the only people who just got off their bikes and decided to walk because they were like riding fixed gear up these climbs. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be with them to be honest. I'd hate climbing. But <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty crazy. Just, um, um, you know, starting to ride fixed gear in the midwest more often and doing some of these gravel roads just how steep some of these climbs are it's just brutal my legs are like killing me that's insane man (laughs) oh man so we're coming up on winter at least in the northern hemisphere uh christmas is coming up that means you know cold weather snow rain you know bad weather um does it snow much in london it's meant to. It does on the postcards, but <laughs> apparently apparently we're meant to get a couple of days of it this year, but it, it didn't last year and I believe it didn't the year before. Oh, wow. In fact I don't think I've seen I don't think I've seen snow in England since I was a kid. Oh honest. wow. So mostly just Cl- climate change is isn't for real, by the way. <laughs> so so is it mostly just like rainy and cold in the winter over there? It's it's cold for sure. Um the, the rain hasn't really started yet, but I know in the north, in Manchester and, and, and there, yeah, it's just, you, you're just walking in a cloud all the time. So you just walk outside and you come back inside and you're dressed <laughs> through. <laughs> but but not in London. London's, London's cold, but it's, it's, it's quite nice, actually. It, it's really nice compared to the north. Yeah, well, here in the mid... There's, there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a... Sorry, there's a saying here in England and they say it's grim up north. <laughs> So there you go. Perfect. Uh, so here in the Midwest, we get uh, really cold temperatures. We get snow. It's gnarly, but it's actually been really nice. I've been riding outside, um, 
pretty much because it's been over 50 degrees and it's been, you know, for here, really nice and sunny. But, you know, usually this time of the year, you have to ride inside a lot. And, you know, you got Zwift, you got training peaks, you got all these different things. But now James Grady uh, from Mission Crit and Marcus, who was like, you know, run the live streams, made videos. He's a filmmaker. He's made videos for Mission Crit. They are starting a cycling smart trainer video game uh, with a whole storyline and it's really an amazing program called Hustle City. So I have an interview with them, so let's go to that. Well, yeah, let's just uh, get going and and start with uh, you both introducing yourselves and uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, uh, I'm James Grady. I usually produce events like Mission Crit and the Red Bull Bay Climb, and I am working on a video game, a smart trainer-based cycling video game called Hustle City. Marcus Cheek here. Um, I am a, I guess, a digital storyteller, uh, previously working in like short-form, long-form content. Uh, with like a documentary style of nature. I love telling and sharing uh, people's experiences, particularly people of my um, my own community and underrepresented stories. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of like manning up the creative direction and like production end of Hustle City, partnering with James to, um, to tell the story of uh, Will Baldwin and the adventures of Hustle City. You know, that's why I have you guys here. James, I've had you on the podcast before. So first off, it's just really good to have you back. Marcus, it's good to meet you. And um, let's talk about what we're here for. It's uh, We're coming up on winter, you know. It's been a crazy year with, like, no events and no mass gatherings and stuff. And then now, um, you know, Hustle City, what is it? Uh, as I previously mentioned, Hustle City is a smart trainer-based uh, cycling game. We, yeah, geez. Uh, I still got to nail my elevator pitch. It's, it's, uh, basically like cross between Zwift and GTA. Um, we wanted a story driven game, uh, and you know, way to provide people an alternative for, uh, to like their current indoor, exercise routine or whatever they do. Yeah. And how did this, how did this come about? Uh, yeah. So we, let's see, we started, you know, the idea had been kicking around, but we started working on it in earnest, uh, over the summer. I want to say I brought Marcus on in June. Does that sound right? Or May? Yeah. yeah. We started talking about it around like June, July, and then things really started ramping up in August. It's when like first week in August is when we got, went really hard, but yeah, yeah, we're talking through the summer. And sort of the, the idea for this particular game sort of developed on parallel tracks on one hand, you know, we wanted to see what we could do, um, like the gamification of a smart trainer game, right? Like, uh, instead of going towards realism with which some other, uh, platforms do, we're like, well, what if we play up the video game aspect of it where you have crashing and, and, and fun things like that. Um, the other component of it is the story, which is something that I'm really proud of. And it was the, the very first thing that I, I pitched Marcus on was the story because if you think if like, despite everything that has happened since the summer, um, all the stuff, if you can think back, uh, this was right around the time where the black lives matter uh, movement was coming back into the public consciousness in a big way. And I approached Marcus with the idea of using this platform to tell a story that is both timeless and timely. Um, you know, our main character, Will, is a young black man. And I wanted to present a story that was unique to him, but also universal in nature where, you know, there's um, there's ideas of, of like love and longing and loss and <laughs> all the other L words, I, I don't know. Um, you know, but but at the same time, be relevant to what was happening today. And I think that we are doing a really good job with that. We for the demo, which is which is what the product that we're going to be releasing first. It's only one day of the fir- of five days in total, and with that first day, like the players will be able to get 
uh, a sense of the story that's to come, which is is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, as James mentioned, when we started the conversation, um, like the general concept is cool and interesting. I don't actually, previously I didn't actually ride like Zwift or indoor stuff. You know, I'm just like a racer. I train outdoors, you know, but then when, when James started mentioning this idea of the story, that's what really perked my ears. And um, because like my goal and my mission, as I mentioned previously, is like, I, I want to tell stories that matter and stories that matter and that are close to my heart. And um, as James started kind of like riffing on this early idea of Will Baldwin and what he's like, it started making me think about like uh, Into the Spider-Verse, like Miles Morales mm -hmm. and um, this, this, you know, young um, person of color living in an urban environment and going on his hero's journey. And like, I'm big into like comics as a kid uh, cartoons, you know, video games as a kid, um, and seeing the potential of Will, like, as this, you know, young Black hero, um, starting in, like, the underworld of, like, the fixed gear messenger scene, uh, which is, like, where I found my origin, you know, I just, I just uh, saw so many parallels, and I was like, wow, like, we got to tell this story, James, and so I was, I was hooked. Well, I'm sure Marcus as a filmmaker too, you know, it's like, it's like the whole idea of the more specific a story is, the more universal it is. So right now we're releasing the demo, which is one day of gameplay. Um, it's looking like after the new year, uh, if, if this demo is well received, uh, we have a good chance of being able to release the full five days. And that just uh, is the first part of Will's story. Um, we have a whole story arc of him uh, that covers, that spans years. And we're eventually hoping to release, I think four more, um, whatever you want to call it, seasons under this title uh, so that we can develop Will's story further. And at the very beginning, you'll see, we, we sort of tease where he ends up and then it goes back to the beginning. Oh, nice. So where is the, so what is the story right now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the story is about Will Baldwin, who uh, is a young kid, kind of aimless, just out of high school. And through a chance encounter with an old friend, somebody he went to high school with, he gets pulled into the underground world of urban bike messengers, which is something um, that both Marcus and I have experience with. And we drew a lot upon that to inform the story and the gameplay. And we included a lot of friends uh in well so, some some friends in the the first season uh, which is pretty exciting for them to be able to to look at this and see um so you go through the gameplay and will you know finds himself and discovers how to be a really good messenger and there are some challenges along the way and it leaves with a cliffhanger i don't want to say too much but yeah yeah it's cool it's really exciting really exciting yeah i'm stoked I do have a good excuse on why I haven't played yet because <laughs> I live in the Midwest and usually right now it would be super cold and shitty out, but it's actually been really nice. So I've been riding outside. <laughs> yeah. No, save it. Save it for when it matters. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. Let's talk about a little, some of the details, like how do people get it set up? Um, what equipment do they need to, to, to use it? In order to develop this game, uh, players need a couple key pieces of hardware. The first being a smart trainer which I realize is out of the means of a lot of people who own bikes. Um, part of the appeal of bikes is that they can be inexpensive and you, there are, there's very little barrier to getting on a bike. Right. Um, well, especially when we're like in this podcast talking specifically about track bike culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people don't have bikes with gears, a lot of, you know, and like smart trainers are just totally out of the question. Um, so for right now, to get this product out the door, we had to focus on a specific set of hardware. So currently, as of December 4th, um, it run, it requires a Wahoo Smart Trainer, an iPhone, and then a device that you can screen share your iPhone to. Um, that can be an Apple TV, like a Roku. They just adopted support for AirPlay. Or there's uh, software solutions for your computers. Um, we're working really hard to expand the hardware uh, to other types of smart trainers. 
And then further on down the line, what we'd really like to do, um, and to be perfectly honest, we hadn't considered this until one of the testers gave us the feedback, which is exactly why we're putting this beta out is to get the sort of really high quality feedback that you know, we didn't think of. But we wanna be able to offer the gameplay for people with just a speed cadence sensor so that they can take their track bike, ride it on the rollers. And if they get the little $40 Wahoo or Garmin thing, you know, they can play it. Um, and I think something that's really important to me personally, and you know, Marcus, if I could speak for you, is to remove barriers for people to play this game. Um, and you know, more people on bikes, obviously more people playing the game is, is beneficial, but you know, I just, I really wanna provide something to people that they enjoy and, you know, makes them want to ride the bikes more. Absolutely. I think that's rad. And yeah, we should, you know, it is in beta right now. So we're at the very beginning stages here, but it's, it's a very exciting project. And I was stoked to see that you were involved. I randomly saw this like hustle city thing pop up in my Instagram. I was like, what the hell is this? And that's the response we're going for. What the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> And I was like, this looks kind of cool. What's going on? And then I saw you were involved and I was like, oh, it's going to be rad because, you know, Mission Crit is like, has such a good reputation as far as, uh, you know, bike races go in general. And the Red Red Bull, uh, the hill climb, you know, is always like blowing on my feed when it happens. And, and so it's always like quality events and things that seem to be coming out. So... How do you go about starting an app? Like, what's that process like? What has this been like for you? Do you have a background in this? Um, let's get into that. So yeah, neither Marcus and I, nor I have a background in app development. We just wanted to see if we could do it. Um, it's taken a lot of work. Uh, one thing that Marcus and I are really good at um, from his background in filmmaking and from my background in event production, is we're really good at tracking down the people who can do the jobs that need to be done. So for instance, you know, we had this idea, we found a development team that could actually build the app uh, or build the game. Uh, they're out of Montreal. And then as we've been going and growing the company, we've been able to find, uh, you know, people to do things like uh, we found somebody to build a website. Uh, we found somebody to like help with the business stuff, uh, the legal stuff, all that sort of thing. It's not dissimilar from just building a regular business. Uh, it just has. It's. It was more on a really tight time frame because we decided that we wanted. We had some um, some some goals in mind uh, to to get this app out, and you know we we operated under the. Let's see what we can do, uh, given the time. I think I think the best offering at, that we were able to bring in building our teams was saying that this is something that's never been done. And I think when we started painting the picture for uh, our various folks that have joined us on this journey, um, what was possible, you know, that this was just a starting point, they really started to like uh, buy in and just like, and and turn it into a passion project. Cause you know, this is like, you know, James's passion is getting people on bikes, you know, doing it for the culture, like, you know, bringing people together around great experiences. You know, mine is, my passion is like telling powerful stories, you know, making strong creative, you know, and then it's obvious why it's passionate for us, for other folks like game developers, you know, uh, animators, designers and whatnot. It's not necessarily immediate because they're not cyclists, but I think that's been a lot of the fun is like sharing our culture, our cycling culture, whether it's, you know, messenger work, whether it's just riding and having fun, you know what I mean? And then saying like, yo, like we can bring this to people in like a digital environment, you know, that makes it way more accessible and way more scalable. Like people start to kind of dream big. They start to see like images of like ready player one, you know, and like these, uh, these, crazy futures where uh, people are connecting through crazy platforms. And uh, that's kind of like what we got on our hands. To be perfectly honest, my hardest sell was to Marcus. <laughs> um, <laughs> everybody else has been super easy. When I first, I, I was walking, um, so I have, a, I have an infant son and I remember I was 
walking him one morning when uh, Marcus called me back. Oh yeah. And I was like walking <laughs> up a hill all out of breath and, and stuff. And um, I was explaining this to him and he was kind of tentative. He's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. That sounds really cool. That sounds cool. And I told him the thing that uh, people in the creative fields don't like hearing at all. I said, I think this one is going to go the distance. And he said, come on, bro. Come on. I hear that as a filmmaker. I hear that three times a day. Uh, <laughs> everybody says that. Oh, this is going to be the big one. This is going to be it. Yeah. And I said, just I tell myself that every day and I'm, and I'm <laughs> oh, yeah. lying to myself every day. <laughs> oh, I, I do that with every film I make. I'm always like, this is the one. To be honest, like you, you kind of have to believe that uh, because nothing would ever get done if people didn't have that, uh, that burning passion in their, in the back of their head. But, you know, I, I really believe this and I jumped in with, with both feet and I'm really fortunate to have Marcus along for the ride. Cause he, his, he's just been, he's brought so much to the project that I, I would have had to find three other people, um, to, to fill his shoes. Oh, thank you, James. Yeah. Cause I'm curious to hear a little bit about how you think your experience as a filmmaker is kind of translating over to building this project. Yeah. So where we so where we started was with the story um james had like some notes on a napkin basically or a google doc but uh but yeah we had to you know and it, and it was like it was powerful and had a lot of potential but then we had to like start structuring it and really building it out and as james mentioned like we really look at this title hustle city as a series you know and this is our first season and in you know doing so, we kind of had to like we wrote our pilot, which is what people are beta testing now, and um, and then as James mentioned, we have five episodes that kind of like bring us through uh, Will's like early story arc. Um, so like as a filmmaker, um, like that was like a familiar exercise to some extent. I haven't. I'll be honest. I haven't really. I haven't worked at all in like series. You know what I mean? But. I do binge Netflix. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I guess I got some education and, um, and yeah, and that's what we really, we started, James and I started hammering out, like, just like, how could we build these episodes? How could we design these episodes? Not only with this like uh, gameplay mentality and like, then also maybe like the sports science and like making a, like a physical thing that people really would enjoy, but then also like, toward the creative mind, towards the, that mind that just like, you know, makes, makes you sit down and binge like a Netflix uh, series, you know, something that demands like, ah, man, I gotta find out what's next. And so that's really what we had to do first and, and figure out. And, um, and that was really just like a writing exercise. Um, and so that was really cool. Beyond the story, the, the next big part, like in terms of like production is building good teams, managing good teams, like, like setting out milestones and a, and a, and a process to like actually develop these, these different products. And like, that's just like the nuts and bolts of production. And um, like I mentioned, I'm glad we have people that are super talented and became passionate about the project too, because then it was just like, they made, I think our job easy um, in like just chugging it along and keeping things organized and, you know, bringing what we kind of have today. Um, is there anything else you guys want to say about hustle city? Yeah. Sign up for the beta ridehustlecity.com. Uh, we need, so the more people that, that register, uh, for it, like this, <laughs> I don't want this to sound too calculating, but like, we need to see that people like this game. Uh, we're sending out invitations as fast as we can to people who have the right hardware now. Um, but if we can see growth and we can show potential, uh, we'll have the opportunity to release the full game and start making other games. Yeah, and I think the what we tried to do with our development process was set up a way in which because we have in which we can make changes, right? That we kind of like hear and we kind of see that people are asking for and that people need. Um, like we have some pretty strong assumptions around what we think is good and what we want and like our like our own testing and when we you know find out something's just wrong um but at the same time we're hearing we want to we want to hear people and try our best to implement that feedback and so so yeah as james said um you know sign up but then also like 
be a part of our community in terms of like providing feedback, you know, giving us your insight because like we are listening. Um, we're super small. And so we can do that, you know, and we can be really flexible and like um, make changes to some extent. Um, yeah. And that's, that's like something that we're, uh, we're, look, we're really interested in seeing, you know, how it moves forward. Hey, thank you both so much for being on. I appreciate it. And, and yeah, it, there, all the links will be in the bio to find out uh, information for everyone out there listening. And uh, yeah, so just go into our uh, show notes and uh, go sign up for beta for Hustle City and, and support these guys. Yeah. Thanks so much, Josh. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for your time. Yeah, let's just jump into our uh, holiday gift ideas. I have a bit of a list here, so. <laughs> well, I think I have a little list as well going. Um, but yeah, I think you should go first, so. All right. So I kind of stuck with things like under 100 bucks uh, was kind of my goal, except for one idea. If you're rich, uh, I'll just start with my first one. If you got a lot of money to spare, you know, maybe go with the specialized Athos. Uh, it's 14 grand, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's under the UCI weight limit, so you can't race it, but at least you'll have the lightest, but it looks pretty, it looks real pretty and it's real, real light. (laughs) Um, no, but for real, my, my first one is just some bar tape and specifically the God and famous, uh, pain cave bar tape or the doomsday one. Just super cool bar tape. It's something you can get pretty much anyone who rides drop bars. Um, or, you know, if you want to wrap your your wide bars too, that's, uh, you know, you get some more hand positions, more comfortable. <laughs> that's amazing. I actually have some bar tape on my list as well. Um, but it's by a, a Tasmanian company called Berg or Bar. I can't really pronounce it. It's B-U-R-G-H. And they did a collaboration with with a FTW crew in from Melbourne. They've just launched it and it's on the ftwcrew.com website. Um, and it's 50 Australian dollars. Um, it looks awesome. It's called the no camo bar tape. It looks, it looks great. Oh, nice. I just looked it up. This is super sick. Um, I also did, you know, it's, it's kind of touch and go to buy someone <laughs> like any kind of like cycling clothing. But one that I went with is, this really rad brand, and they actually sponsor uh, Phil Guyman now, which is, um, they sponsor him with their like custom company, which is called Starlight Apparel. But they have this brand of all unbranded cycling kit called the Black Bibs, and okay. you can get uh, some bib shorts that are probably one of my favorite pair of bib shorts. Um, it has a great chamois in it that stays in its place. Um, you know, I have a jersey from them that's just super simple, no brand or anything on it. But the fabrics are really great and the quality is really high quality. But the bib shorts are forty dollars. And oh like really? forty US, yeah. So um and they're some of my favorite bib shorts. Like I wear them just as often as I wear my Rafa ones or, or anything else. <laughs> I'll have to try and get a set of them for $40. That's pretty decent. I know, right? Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with their... This is the fun thing is because I don't really know what their, what their uh, you know, UK uh, shipping is like or overseas, but yeah. Um, yeah, they're a cool brand though. And, and now, like, I think Phil Guyman just did a little video about them too. Nice. I'll check that out. You'll have to send it me. And then sticking with the clothing, I also put... In a couple weeks with the Francis Cade episode, I'll probably put those interviews together. I have an interview with Squid Bikes, and if you don't know Squid Bikes, oh, they're nice. amazing. They, they're they a small company based out of the U.S. Um, they make a track bikes. They also make cyclocross bikes, and then they're one of the few brands that actually makes a track lacrosse bike. Um that has you know more slack geometry than like a regular track bike huge tire clearance you can run like up to 47s on 650b wheels and um and they're super amazing but they also make uh they sew chamois into like dickies pants and shorts 
Yes, yeah. I saw so them. You, I saw yeah, them. Yeah, so you can, uh, you know, uh, get some of those for your favorite person who wants a comfortable ride but doesn't necessarily want to wear Lycra. Just wants to keep that Blink-182 early 2000s <laughs> look rock and rolling. You exactly. Know? <laughs> Make sure they're a little bit too big and have a really, really tight, you know, saves the day shirt on or something. And a famous Stars and Straps belt yeah. buckle. Yeah, I mean, that was basically me in high school, so... <laughs> perfect i've um i've got down a they're kind of like ass savers but um musgard i don't know if you come across them in america um but they're out here they think they're from like um east europe somewhere but they're really really good they're pretty cheap and they fold up around your uh around your frame so it's basically like a foldable mudguard um and if you're living in london or from manchester like i am you definitely need these <laughs> what are they called again uh musgard m-u-s god i think musgard they've sponsored a few people as well like they did the i did a couple of limited edition monster track um editions and i think Chaz christensen um did one as well with them as well so they're very very um infused with the fixed gear scenes so, yeah i'm looking at their website cool. too and and uh, they're showing all kinds of different things you can do with them, and they also have them wrapped around the top tube to be kind of a frame guard for. Yeah. Which is pretty sweet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like their main website, yeah. you go on it, and it's like all track lacrosse like looking stuff. <laughs> so next up, I have just cycling socks in general. Like most people don't like to get socks for Christmas. Like kids hate getting socks for Christmas, but cyclists, I think we love getting socks. <laughs> I love it. So too. I put. Yeah, I love getting any kind of rad socks. So I put down, I just love like a pair of hot pink Rafa socks. Um, anything from MASH, all their socks, they have really rad ones. And then God and Famous uh, yeah. has some really cool ones that say, if you don't come from track bikes, I don't trust you. And I definitely have a pair of those and I love them. I need them in my life, um, I think. I also have, <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> And I also have the ones with the 2020 is trash ones where, you know, the guy's throwing 2020 in the garbage. Oh, sick. Um, <laughs> and then Void is another brand that I just like their socks. Yeah, so. I got a lot of Void stuff um, from last year and it, it's still going. I'm going to keep on with, with socks as well. Um, I just, I bought some of these the other week for myself. Um, the brand is called Zero Fox, but it's spelled F-U-X-X, so... It's a yeah zero fox dot cc and his cycling socks are really really nice. Uh, I bought like three pairs I think like leave a week, and they're really cheap. They're like twelve pounds in England, so that's pretty cheap for cycling socks go to be honest. They also have some. I don't know if this is like a good gift to get for somebody, but I like water bottles and they have really cool looking ones on. Zero yeah, Fox. yeah, they do. Um, yeah, that's sick. Like I, I re- the guy that runs it, he also re- I think he rides a a factor road bike as well so i've already got a couple of things in common with this person <laughs> mine is like all pretty god and famous heavy i just really like the things they do um like, disclaimer another one this, was, this is not sponsored by god and famous this yeah, episode <laughs> not sponsored and i've honestly reached out to god and famous like numerous times over the years to try to get them on the show and like no one has ever gotten back to me no so. Way. <laughs> <laughs> so even with that i still really love what they're doing and uh uh, the all all hail the track bike dad hat from God and Famous. Anybody in your life that yes. loves track bikes, they will love this hat. <laughs> yeah, they need that for sure. What else have I got on my list? I've got the actually I've gone with the Chrome cycling gloves just because one they're really hard to get hold of because they're constantly sold out, and two they're sold out because they look awesome. <laughs> I've never actually tried them, but um, yeah, they're on my wish list. So Chrome, if you're listening, send me a pair of these bloody gloves. I can't find them anywhere. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the uh, with the crews from the mainland of Europe. Um, I came across this crew called Courage Cycling Crew. They're from Paris, and they have like a mean mean drop of products on their website. And they have this uh, like coach jacket. Um, and it just says on the back they talk we ride and it's super reflective uh i'll send you a link on over now but i think that looks awesome um but all of their merch is sick i would wear all of it and then i checked out more of them courage cycling club on instagram 
and like the the images and some of the style of riding is like it's it's well it looks great <laughs> i i'd love to try yeah, i'd love have, to link up I'm with looking these at guys. it now they have some really cool looking stuff yeah so i'm gonna go with um with next up is the the adventure line of from the heavy pedal they had they just released a line of kind of gravel adventure style uh, kit and it's all really nicely designed and and heavy pedals kind of known for super super high quality without being like extremely expensive. Yeah, they they sent me a kit a few years years ago, but I was. What did I do with that kit? I can't remember. I moved to so many countries since then, but I really liked it. it had like snakes going up. Oh yeah, the, that that one was sick. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say just check out the heavy pedal, even if it's not just their adventure line. Like their prototype line is really, really cool. They have like a blocks line that's really great. Um, I have a heavy pedal like thermal um, jacket that I've had for years and I love it and I still wear it when I go out anytime it's under like 30 degrees. I put that on and it's super warm. And it looks like they have a 20% off right now on their website. Again, unsponsored. I don't know these guys. Uh <laughs> And none of this is sponsored. We don't have any sponsors for the podcast right now. Yeah. Um, if, if, you're, and, if you're listening to this new uh, episode, you would hear that hopefully my voice sounds way crisper. I actually bought a new microphone with my own money. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so we could use some sponsors. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, go go over there. It looks like they have a 20% off code at Heavy Pedal. So go do that. Sick. Support. I- cool people doing cool things i've got one more on my list and i and i have one of these i use it um and it's a company called skin grows back um they make this really cool it's called the nano plan b saddle bag and it's like the coolest i never thought a saddle bag was cool until i saw this one um it has like a military magnet kind of lock um and the way it just sits under your saddle it's just it, i think it's i believe it, they say it's the smallest saddle bag in the world and it will fit like literally just what you need tire levers co2 and and a spare tube and it, it looks rad i have it on all i have one but i it's so easy to just take off one saddle and put it on the other one so you can stake on any bike that you have in your shed i've had my life mine now for like two or three years now i love it it's great Nice. Yeah, this looks pretty rad. So it's funny. Actually, I have two more things, and they're both bags. So also for saddlebags slash tool roll, uh, I have the State Bicycles slash Roadrunner um, tool roll saddlebag. Um, I have that one on my track bike right now. I really love it. Um, Roadrunner is a really cool brand. Um, And... I've never met them, but I actually got introduced to Roadrunner years ago just through a friend who's not even really a cyclist. Uh, she was just like, yeah, my friends have this uh, bike bag company called Roadrunner. And so they've kind of been on my radar for a long time. But um, I really like this collab they did with uh, State Bicycles. And then I also have the Cafe du Cycliste um, handlebar bag. Uh, it's a really cool bag. It's It's a little spendy. Had like eighty five dollars, but it's super big. It it is really nice looking. I love their branding, um, and it looks like super high quality in materials. Uh, and then also with that, I have the Topo Designs handlebar bag, which is a little more affordable. It's like half the price, um, but it's uh, also really really cool and plus they're from denver which if anyone's listened to the podcast for a while you'll, you'll know that i hail from denver um and again they're friends with a bunch of my friends but i don't really know them but they've always done really really cool work in outdoor gear and so the bike bags they did uh originally i think they started with the collaboration with all city and now they just make handlebar bags and and bike bags and and they're really awesome. So, Topo Designs handlebar bags. So sweet. There you go. Well, I've learned about a bunch of new brands. So, I hope everyone else out there did. <laughs> and uh, yeah, go go yeah, go and buy here. stuff. Support the scene, you know, because everyone's doing this. Well, the most people here are doing it out of love and tr- just trying to make money to keep on continuing. So, 
yeah, support your local cycling crew. Yeah, and most of the brands that we mentioned, with the exception of a couple, are are super small. And, you know, this has been a crazy year for... I think the bike industry has been incredibly busy and has been doing well, fortunately. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the smaller brands haven't seen a lot of the benefits of this bike boom. Um, so definitely go support the, the smaller brands. All right. Well, speaking of coronavirus and the holidays, I have a short interview with Mehdi Farsi from State Bicycle Company. We talk about how coronavirus has affected their business, um, upcoming plans for State Bicycles, a little bit of an update. We've had him on the podcast before. And then also I ask him uh, to give us some, you know, a few holiday gift ideas. Here's my interview with Mehdi from State Bicycles. How have you been? Doing well. Um, staying safe and staying really busy. Um, kind of the themes for this year. <laughs> Same. Agreed. Um, so since the last time we spoke, which was a while ago now because we didn't do the podcast for like a year and a half. Um but yeah, since the last time we spoke, you've kind of entered into some new categories into the bike world, um, uh, a high-end aluminum bike, some geared gravel bikes. Um, what made you make this decision and what other categories are on the radar right now? Yeah, you kind of alluded to a couple of different things. Uh, you know, I think this year, 2020, we've been really productive in terms of new product releases. Um, it just happened to shake out that way that a lot of projects that we had had in the pipeline for a few years now all kind of came to fruition in 2020. Um, some of them we were ideally had wanted to release earlier, but um, last year and, and even the, some of the prior year we spent, you know, making a lot of changes in our supply chain to kind of offset some of the trade war stuff and just the, ton of different things but you know long story short they all landed in 2020 so um i guess first we can talk about the uh off-road division bikes um the off-road division was something that we actually launched in 2014 or 2015 we had a series of um off-road bikes um the commonality was uh most of them were single speed because that was kind of in our wheelhouse um, at the time and what we were best known for. So we had uh, two single speed, we'll call them cross bikes at that time. That was kind of before people were using the term gravel, even though, you know, gravel um, is probably how most of our users were riding them anyway. So we had a steel one and an aluminum one. Um, we had uh, a mountain bike, uh, which was like a hardtail 29er, and we had some fat bikes. So those did really well for us, but, um, you know, from the customer feedback we were getting and even just feedback, uh, and experience that we were having ourselves, um, we felt that we were pretty limited, um, with one gear when it came to off-road specifically. And additionally, I mean, just in that short amount of time, there were a lot of emerging standards that we wanted to build into the bike in terms of features. So we wanted to have through axle compatibility, tubeless wheel compatibility, different wheel size options. And so we kind of took our existing models and really um, took a look at them and and figured out what we wanted to change what we wanted to come up with and you know what we ended up with is a really really great versatile uh 4130 all-road bike um and then it's kind of big brother the 6061 all-road bike um which is uh really going to be more suited for faster more aggressive riding this would be the type of bike that you could theoretically ride uh you know um a mid-south 100 or any of the big gravel events that are coming up in the schedule yeah and then 
you know, after I wrote this question down, you know, you guys dropped the clunker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is pretty funny because I literally just watched uh, that documentary of the same name, the clunkers documentary. And then as soon as nice. I saw that drop, I was like, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That one has also been kind of in the works for a while. And that one is actually like, it didn't take very long to develop. Um, it's, I mean, it's a fairly straightforward bike, but. Um, it was something that we had kind of kicked around for a couple years. And then when the pandemic hit in uh, March and April, um, and we started seeing a huge demand for bikes and we started seeing, you know, maybe non-traditional cyclists look to spend more time on the road. We figured this was like just a really, really approachable bike for people who wanted to ride around the neighborhood or even you know, just as a second or third bike that you don't have to clip in and, uh, you know, go for a really long spin. So, I mean, we just wanted to make it a real accessible, easy bike. It's not intimidating in terms of, you know, you don't look like you have to be an experienced rider to be able to ride it. And I think that's why it has such broad appeal and it's been doing really well for us. I think we'll actually sell out um, later today. We have like two or three units left. So <laughs> those will be gone. Nice. Uh, speaking of selling out and uh, also the pandemic, um, the pandemic has seen an unprecedented rise uh, or boom in the industry. So can you explain to people a little bit how that happened? We started seeing definitely um, more inquiries, more web traffic, and, and ultimately more sales um, pretty early on. I would say it started in late March, early um, April, and then just kind of kept growing um throughout the summer um in terms of demand and really i think it was multifactorial um one uh people were looking for just a safe way to get around um a lot of our sales were in big cities where people traditionally rely on public transportation obviously um you know if you're trying to social distance and stay away from people being on a train or a bus subway um is really not the best way to do it so um i think commuting was a big reason i think um the fact that gyms and other traditional uh ways of exercise a lot of the times were also kind of prohibited or closed led to that and then i think the third thing is just kind of mental health people wanting to get out of the house a lot of people are working from home they're stuck behind a screen and and um you know one of the few activities that was allowed almost everywhere universally uh, other than i think europe had some restrictions on biking uh for a, a small period of time but you know cycling has been one of the activities that you can you know do fairly fairly safely um and it's something you do with your family. It can be something you do by yourself, but you know, just getting outside and away from all the screens and and all the news and all the just kind of all the crazy stuff going on. I think it was largely appealing. So um, I think those are the reasons people are turning to bikes. And then you know, specifically why they're coming to state is because we do offer such a attractive price point that's accessible for so many people um we sell online so you're not having to go into a big box shop uh and and you know um to kind of touch on that you know your walmarts and targets and dick sporting goods of the world that specialize in the kind of sub 500 and sub one thousand dollar price points they were out of bikes. So um, I think that's, we were seeing, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of demand on our side for all of those reasons. Yeah. How did all of that affect you specifically? Like you mentioned the trade war kind of stuff going on with China, which, you know, was obviously not very beneficial to smaller manufacturers like yourself. Sure. And then the pandemic hitting, like, how does that affect a company like state um, of your size as a smaller manufacturer versus like, you know, the bigger guys like giant or specialized or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to be, I mean, a great analogy would be, we have to be kind of like a, a smaller, like a speedboat, um, in, in a, in an ocean filled with, you know, cruise liners, those people are such behemoths and, and whatever 
they do, um, you know, impacts everyone else. It sends ripples through the water. So, you know, anecdotally, I can give you a few examples, but, you know, it definitely has put some strain on our supply chain. So common part, like a lot, like our frames are unique to us, but there are lots of parts that we use that are common to many, many, many different bikes. So tires, for example, or cassettes for our geared bikes or chains that we, these parts that we don't manufacture ourselves, we're competing with not only specialized in giant, but also your Kents and Huffies of the world that are selling to Walmart and Target. And they're putting in orders from millions of bikes for an entire year at the same time. And we're going to have, we kind of have to just be really nimble and flexible. And, you know, uh, a bike might be on our website with a certain brand of tires one day and then you know, the next day it might have a different set of tires because the original set of tires um, that we stocked in the bike, they're, they're, they don't have tires for nine months or a year and, and our bikes are going to be ready in three months, let's say. So we have to be flexible in, that's, in that sense. And, and that's kind of why I use that analogy. Like we're kind of that little speedboat running around and, and, and moving quickly and 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 making changes on the fly and we're really really dynamic where kind of those larger companies kind of have their yearly plan set and then once it's in motion they're just kind of full steam ahead um with their yearly plan but i think this has allowed us to have a lot better availability than some of the larger competitors the larger manufacturers um when i'm talking to bike shops that carry our bikes or even people who want to carry our bikes i'm seeing you know i'm not going to say any specific manufacturer's name but you know big name x isn't going to be able to get them bikes till september of next year and we're in december 8th right now of uh 2020 so you know we're we're not going to see delays like that because we have been able to just kind of be really nimble and navigate in that sense what's next as far as track bikes and fixed gear bikes specifically for for state are there any other exciting things like track lacrosse bikes or anything coming along (laughs) track lacrosse is probably the one that we get um asked about like it's probably like the gap in our lineup that we get asked about the most um yeah we'll see we'll see what we're going to be doing i mean we've, we've toyed around with a few different ideas I think that uh, there probably is room for it. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll keep working on that. Uh, the undefeated is kind of our flagship uh, track bike. Um, that will definitely um, get some, at least a graphic overhaul um, in the short term. Uh, I, I don't mean, think it needs anything are, else. The the yeah, I mean, the bikes the, the the bikes themselves. I mean, we've been doing this for eleven years now, and yeah, the bikes themselves for the price point, uh, especially at each of their respective price points. Like we feel like we've kind of, I mean, since they're so simple, and you know, it's not like the traditional cycling industry where they are essentially, you know inventing new standards to sell you a new bike every season track bikes the beauty of them are you know they're they're somewhat timeless like our 4130 bikes that we started the company with 10 years ago although we've made small improvements year after year they're you know aesthetically pretty similar to what we are selling you know even to this day so it's hard to perfect something or improve upon something that is intentionally so simple but we do uh still want to you know keep bringing a fresh approach to things so whether that's aesthetic changes or um you know slightly different i mean you know one one thing that i trends that we do want to keep like following is people seem to want bigger tire clearances and, and and you kind of mentioned track lacrosse i think even if you're not using it for that specific purpose people do want uh larger tire clearances and things like that so there'll be there'll be small changes here and there um to accommodate what riders are seeking out but by and large i mean 
those lines of bikes for us are still, um, you know, despite all of the new bikes that we have, those lines of bikes are doing really great for us. They're, they're still our kind of our primary focus and, and we're going to continue to do, you know, small improvements year after year, um, new designs and, and really cool, compelling limited edition collaborations, things like that. How did the pandemic kind of affect, uh, the video series things and then the racing team as well? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's been difficult because obviously, um, both kind of require travel. Uh, so, you know, from a racing standpoint, most events have been canceled, even one or two, maybe that continued on. We opted not to go to them just because we weren't necessarily wanting to support something that wasn't a hundred percent safe. Um, but you know, we've been keeping constant communication with our, our race team and they understand and, um, are eager to get back on the road in 2021, fingers crossed. Um, there was a window in which we felt that it was reasonably safe, um, to, to film, uh, two episodes of riding fixed up mounts with pros. We did them actually in the same weekend, uh, to minimize travel, um, only sent a, a videographer and, and a photographer. Usually we have myself who's kind of driving as well going, but to reduce the amount of people, we, we only sent two. Um, also, we were using people who were local to that place. So the writers uh, on both sides, the interviewer and the interviewee, um, no one had to travel. So try to keep it safe that way. And, and, and we already released that Lachlan Morton episode. We also filmed his teammate Alex Howes um, and I think that was late June I want to say um, because uh, you know uh, they were actually getting called into Europe on July 1st and had to leave and I think we were over there in, in at like June 28th so they they <laughs> were gracious and they, they, they were told this in less than 24 hours notice wow so um, I have to th definitely thank them um, because they, you know, they didn't really have any obligation to stick with the interview, but they, they both did their interviews and packed up their stuff and, and to get ready to go to Europe uh, on, on, you know, spur of the moment thing uh, and, and, and for an indefinite time period. And, and they still, uh, provided their time for the interview. So we're really, really gracious for that. Um, so there will be at least one more content piece out here, but you know, we're, you know, we're, we're just kind of the same, same boat as everyone else. Uh, just trying our best to navigate it, trying to stay safe. Everyone's been swifting and riding indoors a lot and yeah, just doing their best to stay safe and, and, but stay in shape at the same time. So if 2021 goes a little bit better as far as racing goes, what are some of the plans for the team? Um, well, so the fixed gear calendar is always kind of a wait and see. Um, yeah. I feel like uh, the fixed gear calendar, they, like events kind of just pop up and then we'll go. But whatever major races there are, we will be sure to be there. Um, and then uh, this year, obviously, now that we have the product, um, we will be hitting a lot of the gravel races. Um, so we'll be doing the Mid-South uh, race. Um, we'll be doing Steamboat Springs, uh, which is Old Man Winter. And there's a, there's a few others. There's some in Arizona. But given where we are geographically, um, it really lines up well. Like uh, most of the events are in Colorado, Nevada, Utah, and Arizona, kind of the four corner in New Mexico, the four corners in Nevada. So um, the, we'll be concentrating on those regionally to kind of minimize a lot of the travel and drive to the events and try to stay safe. Um, hopefully they, they do take place. Um, so I have my sustainable Jersey. Awesome. Yeah. That's another big initiative. That's one I'm really proud of. I want to talk about the sustainable clothing line. It just seemed like such a rad idea. And I was super stoked when I saw that drop. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing, people do that um larger much larger organizations than we are uh in in fashion or s sneakers um and you know being a bicycle company 
and, and just, you know, a forward thinking individual that understands that, you know, the way we're going right now um, is not sustainable. And if we want to have a uh, clean air to breathe while we're writing and, and just an overall better uh, place to live in the future, like companies and consumers both need to make uh, conscious decisions to improve on, on what products we're either producing or consuming. So, um, you know, I started doing research. Um, we're not necessarily, we're not obviously collecting the water bottles and recycling them, but there are large, large textile manufacturers that, you know, they provide fabrics to any clothing company that you can kind of reach out to. Um, obviously it's going to cost considerably more to do something like that, but um, it was important to us to at least attempt um, to make a difference. So all of our jerseys going forward uh, in bibs um, when possible will be made out of sustainable fabrics. And, you know, we're, we're a small company. So if we can do it, I feel like the bigger guys ought to be doing it and, and should be doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's something that our audience definitely appreciates and we try to make it again affordable uh, to kind of show that, you know, making this type of decision doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be paying double or and in many cases, you're paying less than, you know, an alternative that isn't sustainable and maybe doesn't even look as good. That's true. That's the other point is that the design on them is pretty killer. So yeah. And you can, you, you have it. You, I mean, from the, from the look and feel like you wouldn't know that it was no anything different or out of the ordinary. It just feels like a really high end Jersey that I did not spend nearly as much money on. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Uh, so is there anything else you want to bring up? <clears throat> Um, no, I don't think so. Um, you know, we, we really, uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk bikes anytime we can sit down and, and discuss what we're doing over at state. Like ultimately it's nice to hear that other people are stoked as, as we are. And, uh, I mean, that's really the kind of crux of everything we do. We just, we, we do things that excite us and, and hopefully people are also excited about it. Um, so one last question, holidays are coming up. What are a couple things people should buy for their, for their, uh, family members or friends? <laughs> um, we have some new hoodies. I'm wearing one right now. The hoodies are, are pretty, pretty sick. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> the sustain, the sustainable, uh, clothing collection is great. We're starting to run low, but we have like pretty decent stock. Um, if, if you're, friend or significant other or you want to buy something for yourself and have a little bit more budget the clunkers are really fun i don't think you can go wrong with that so i think those three things are are probably pretty safe safe uh presents and gifts cool thanks for coming on medi i appreciate your time yeah thanks a lot well, that does it for this episode of Save the Track Bike. Thank you for listening. Visit us at savethetrackbike.com or Instagram at savethetrackbike. Leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast because it will help us out a ton. This show is part of Figure Podcasts. Visit us at figurepodcast.com to check out all of our other shows. Our theme song today was Slag Girl by The Vitamin Pets once again. I think we should each pick a song each time that we should play out with. So you choose today. What song are we going to play out with today? To play out Hybrid Moments, The Misfits.